It's not, it's very easy to forget that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's a he, he's not an it. He's called the Holy Spirit, he's called the Spirit of God, he's called the Holy Ghost. I, I personally don't like the term the Holy Ghost. Uh, for me, it's a very religious term and I think it takes away something of who the Holy Spirit really is. He is a person. He has will, he has intellect, and he has emotion. And uh, for example, the Holy Spirit separated Paul and Barnabas from the church leaders in Antioch uh, to the work that he had called them to. That's will, the Holy Spirit's will. Um, the, the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of wisdom and understanding. That's intellect. And the Holy Spirit can be grieved. That's emotion. Will, intellect, and emotion, they make up the unique personality of who the Holy Spirit is. And I wonder this morning, do you see the Holy Spirit as a person? When you pray and when you spend time with the Lord, do you speak to the Holy Spirit as if he's a person? Or do you speak to him or, or do you relate to the Holy Spirit like he's some kind of a force or a power? He thinks, he has feelings, he has will, he is God. And so when we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit, it's important that we don't spend all our time focusing on the gift or the gifts, but that we also remember there's a giver of the gifts. And that Holy Spirit is the giver. He's the source, and He decides and He determines who gets what gifts and when they get the different gifts. The Holy Spirit is such a wonderful person. He really is. And the Bible says he gives good gifts. He gives good gifts. And so when we're looking at all these gifts, all of them are good. It's, there's no kind of bad gift here. There's no kind of gift you don't want. All these gifts are good gifts. And it's his will and it's his desire to help us and to empower us so that we can serve the purposes of God. And he is so powerful, the Holy Spirit, but he's also so gentle. But don't be fooled and don't assume that the gentleness of the Holy Spirit means he's weak. I think that the greatest demonstration of power is gentleness. You might disagree with me, you might go, no ways. The greatest demonstration of power is kind of like lightning bolts and, a, and, and an explosive power and things like that. But, but think of a jumbo jet. Think of a jet when it lands. When a jet touches down on that runway, it touches down gently. And that's because of the tremendous power that that jet has. If, if that jet demonstrated no power, what would happen as it came in for landing, it would just smash into the ground and disintegrate into a million pieces. That would be gravity exerting all its, all its power on that jumbo. But the fact that it lands gently means that that jet is exerting tremendous power in order to be gentle. And that's what I think of when I think of the Holy Spirit. He, he is gentle and it's a demonstration of the tremendous power that the Holy Spirit has. Think of creation. Before, the, before creation began, the Bible says the Holy Spirit was hovering over the surface of the deep. He was there waiting for the word of God. 
And then as soon as he heard those words, let there be, he just exploded with power. And suddenly there's galaxies, there's planets, there's stars, there's nebulas, there's trees, there's all kinds of diversity of animals. There was a huge demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. And yet that same Holy Spirit lives in you. Think of the resurrection of Jesus. For me, the, for me, the greatest demonstration of the power of God is the resurrection of Jesus. When the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the very lowest of low places and, and took him and put him in the highest of all places. Jesus was at the lowest of lows. He was crushed beneath the weight of the sin of all mankind. He was crushed into the very depths of hell. And then the Holy Spirit began to stir on that third day. He began to move. He began to release his infinite power from within himself. And he, as he exerted that tremendous power, the very foundations of the earth, of the grave, of hell, shook under that power and gave way. And the grave couldn't hold Jesus down because of the tremendous power that the Holy Spirit exerted. And, and bursting with this power, radiating with this power, the Holy Spirit raised Jesus up from that grave, up through the depths of hell, up into newness of life, up beyond life on earth, up into the heavens, up beyond the angels, up and up and up he raised Jesus until he put him on the very highest place that anyone or anything has ever been or will ever be. And so the Holy Spirit took Jesus from the lowest of the lows and has put him at the highest of the highest. That is the greatest demonstration of power that you'll ever see. And now Jesus has the name that is above all other names. He is Lord of all lords. He is King of all kings. And the Holy Spirit did that. And the Bible says the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of you and is inside of me. And yet we can grieve him. That's what's amazing. You'd think that when we disobey God, the Holy Spirit would just lash out in an incredible demonstration of power and discipline us, but he doesn't. He he exercises patience. He exercises self-control. He exercises restraint. Like that jumbo jet landing gently, the gentleness of the Holy Spirit is an incredible demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we grieve Him, He demonstrates power by being gentle. When John saw the Holy Spirit descend upon Jesus, John the Baptist, he, he, he described it like a dove coming down and settling upon Jesus. So in the Holy Spirit, there is universe creating power, but the gentleness of a dove. Why am I saying all this? Because this morning we're going to talk about a gift. We're going to talk about a gift that a divine person gives us. Not just This is not just some doctrinal theory. This is not just some kind of a fact. This is a person giving you and I a gift. A very powerful person, a very gentle person, a very loving person. And he's giving you and I a gift that the Bible calls good. 
So this morning I want to teach on the gift of prophecy. I want to talk about prophecy. And it's important that we look at this because I don't think I've seen any other gift that's been more misused and abused than the gift of prophecy. I've seen people sharing prophecy out of pride in their hearts. I've seen people share words that they call prophecy but clearly are not. I've seen people using prophecy to control churches and to control leaders and manipulate them. I've seen people's lives destroyed because of the abuse of this gift. And the primary reason I believe, or one of the reasons I believe that this happens, is because the people prophesying have forgotten who gives this gift. They don't have in their mind this all-powerful Holy Spirit who is gentle, who is loving, and He is the giver of this gift. See, if we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, we're going to see this gift stirred up in the church. If we understand the giver, we're going to see lives changed. We're going to see God's tremendous power released through people in the church. And I desire that. I desire that with all my heart. I'm not wanting the church to hold back in any way. I'm wanting us to prophesy all the more. I want to see this gift stirred up in the church. And I want to echo the words of Paul where he said, Eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you should prophesy. And I think because this gift has been abused, many parts of the church simply exclude this gift. They're scared of it. They ignore it, which is as unbiblical as the gift being abused. And we've got to get back into a biblical middle road, a place of balance, a place where we walk in the truth of the Bible and we eagerly desire to prophesy, but we understand the giver is the Holy Spirit. And so let me look at a few things. First of all, let's define what prophecy is. Prophecy is when the Holy Spirit enables someone to speak words that come from God. That's essentially what prophecy is. Prophecy doesn't come from a person's own imagination or thoughts or understanding. It's when the Holy Spirit enables a believer to speak God's words. That's prophecy into a particular situation. It's something totally supernatural. It's not so, there's nothing natural about prophecy. It is a supernatural thing when people share a prophetic word. You'll find that prophecy can be found in the Bible right from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. In Genesis, Isaac blessed his son Jacob by speaking words that came from God. But Jacob had actually deceived his father. His father thought it was Esau. And when, he, when Esau came to him and, 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 and Isaac discovered, hey, hang on. I've gone and prophesied over the wrong person. He couldn't undo it because prophecy is something supernatural. It's from God and it wasn't in Isaac's power to go and reverse that. No man can take what God has said and, say, and override it and say, no, nope, we don't believe that. Well, I'm changing that. I'm going to do my own thing. Isaac couldn't do a thing and basically he just had to pray a blessing over Esau, but he'd given that prophetic word to Isaac 
uh, sorry, to Jacob, and Jacob had received that, and it wasn't something that Isaac could reverse. And you see that happening many times in Scripture, where a prophetic word is is released. Uh, when it is from God, it's not something that can be reversed by man. See, through prophecy, a believer can become a channel for the counsel of God, all the words of God, to be spoken. So that's defining prophecy. What about the purpose of prophecy, secondly? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 3 says this, But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. So the purpose of prophecy is to strengthen, to encourage, and to comfort. Or to put it another way, to build up, to stir up, and to cheer up. That's the purpose of prophecy. Prophecy is never given to make anybody a dictator. Where they go around telling people what to do and because they hear God, you've just got to obey. That's never the purpose of prophecy. And if anyone is misusing this gift in order to set themselves up or dictate or control other people, you need to realize you're in serious error. You're doing exactly what the devil wants you to do. Prophecy is always to encourage, to strengthen, and to comfort. That's what prophecy is for. This is why when any, anyone brings a prophetic word, the Bible says it's got to be weighed or judged. Every prophetic word, biblically, if we're going to be biblical, we should be weighing a prophetic word when it comes. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 29 says this, let two or three people prophesy, and then let others evaluate what is said. Prophecy should never just be shared and go, okay, that's the word of God, let's do it. It should be weighed, it should be evaluated, and then we should respond to it. If you have a prophetic word that, that you feel to bring, but you aren't willing to have that word weighed or judged, then you shouldn't share it. Because that's unbiblical. Biblically, if we feel that we have a prophetic word, we should be expecting it to be weighed or judged. The other thing is that uh, from the scripture, there's also the idea of prophets prophesying as a group or as a team. Because it says, let two or three people prophesy. The idea of one person in a local church giving prophetic words that everyone just has to accept and believe and obey is, is not scriptural. There's, the scripture talks about the, the school of the prophets or among the prophets or the group of prophets. When, when Saul was among the prophets, he began to prophesy. And even in the New Testament, you see groups of prophets working together. In Acts 21, Paul stayed at the home of Philip the Evangelist and it said he had four daughters and all of them had the gift of prophecy. So there's four ladies that had the gift of prophecy working as a group. In Acts chapter 13, before Paul and Barnabas were sent out of Antioch, the church, it said among the teachers and the prophets, plural, were these five people. So there was, there was more than one prophet in that church. Obviously, the church in Corinth 
also had, well, they, they had so many people prophesying that Paul had to say, listen, things are actually too chaotic with you guys. Just let two or three people prophesy and then weigh what was being said. So there's this idea of prophets working in team with each other and prophesying in, in that kind of a way. In, but as I said earlier, the purpose of prophecy is to strengthen, to encourage, and to comfort. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19, let me read that to you. It says, Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil. So once again, prophecies have to be tested. And Paul is showing here in this verse, there are two extremes that are both in error. First of all, on the one hand, are churches that scoff or despise prophecy. And the Bible says that's wrong. We shouldn't scoff at prophecy. We shouldn't despise prophecy. We should welcome it and we should encourage it. But then he gives a second thing that's also wrong. He says, on the other hand, we should test everything and we should hold on to what is good. So in other words, what's wrong is just accepting every prophetic word as a genuine prophetic word without testing it and letting that happen. That's also wrong. So we shouldn't despise prophecy and we shouldn't leave prophecy untested. But once prophecy is examined, once it's been weighed, once it's been tested, Paul says we should hold on to the good. And now what I like to think of is, is there's this saying, when you eat the pumpkin, eat the pumpkin and spit out the, the seeds or the pips. Or when you eat a fish, you eat the flesh, but you throw away the bones. It's the same thing with prophecy. When, when a prophecy is given, we should weigh it, but we should hold on to the good. Because sometimes there's a little bit of the person mixed up in the whole prophetic word. There's some of their own thinking. Sometimes people try and interpret what God has given them. And what we've got to do is, just, is weigh that prophecy, figure out what of that prophecy is from God, and hold on to that. You don't have to swallow all prophecy. Hold on to the good and throw away the rubbish. And then thirdly, how do we weigh prophecy? Three things that I want to suggest to us. Firstly, does, does the prophetic word line up with Scripture? See, the Holy Spirit is the one who gives the gift of prophecy. He's the one that's going to give the words that you can prophesy with. But also, the Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture. And so there's no ways the Holy Spirit is going to give a prophetic word that doesn't agree with Scripture. There's absolutely no ways. Because the Holy Spirit is not confused. He's not a schizophrenic. He, he is in agreement with what the Word said because He inspired the Word of God. And so when a prophetic word, when, when someone receives a prophetic word, the first thing they should do is to go in their mind, does this line up with Scripture or not? And if you know that it clearly is against Scripture, immediately discard it. Don't even entertain it. Don't think, oh, I felt a whole lot of goosebumps and I felt the presence of God. If it contradicts Scripture, 
just discard it immediately. There's no point in even praying about it. I remember someone uh, said that they had a prophetic word for the church. It was something along the lines of they, they felt God was saying that God was going to release all the people in the church from every vow that they've ever made. And I immediately said, well, that's not a word from God because it doesn't line up with Scripture. That does, God says if you make a vow, you stick to it. And when they disagreed with me, I said, well, does that mean every marriage is no longer valid because all the vows that husbands and wives have made to each other are no longer relevant? And they were like, oh, no, marriages are a different story. But I could clearly see that's not a word from God because it doesn't line up with Scripture. So that's the first test. When you feel that God is giving you a word, first thing to do is just check it and go, does this does Scripture agree with what I'm saying? Secondly, is does the word glorify Jesus? Because everything the Holy Spirit does is glorifying to Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit's ministry is. His ministry is to glorify Jesus. Revelation 19 verse 10 says this, For the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness of Jesus. All true prophecy centers in the person of Jesus. If that word doesn't glorify Jesus, if it detracts or pulls away from glorifying Jesus, then it's it's not a prophetic word. And so that's the first the first thing is to check does it line up with scripture? Secondly, does it bring glory to Jesus? Is it ex is it Christ exalting? If it isn't, if it's Christ diminishing, throw it away. If it doesn't line up with Scripture, throw it away. Thirdly, and finally, does it strengthen, does it encourage, and does it comfort? Or one of those three things. I remember one time a person came to me and said, they got a, they've got a word of judgment for the church. And I wouldn't release it because... 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3 says prophecy should strengthen and courage and comfort. And if it doesn't do this, there's no reason to believe that this is a genuine word from the Holy Spirit. Now I do want to add something in here. I want to say that I'm not saying that God can't speak a prophetic word which is kind of like a, a warning to the church. But if that's the case, I would look at the person who's bringing that prophetic word through. I would look at is is the person who's giving this word a recognized prophet? Is there? Can I look in their past and can I see that they've brought prophetic words in the past and they've actually been fulfilled? Or is this just some total stranger that's walked into a church meeting saying, I've got a word of judgment for this church? Because if that's the case, there's no way they're going to be released to share a word like that. The other thing that we've got to remember is that God can speak to us individually. If he needs to correct leaders, he can actually just speak to them. He doesn't need to give a prophetic word. Also, when you look at the Bible and you look at prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, they brought words of warning to Israel and some very serious words of warning, but they also brought words of encouragement. So even though there were the clouds of judgment, there was always the silver lining of hope in the Lord that they brought as well. So 
But for us, when we are bringing a word to the church, we should go, does it line up with Scripture? Does it glorify Jesus? Does it strengthen, encourage, and comfort? If it does those things, then bring it, but still expect it to be weighed. If it doesn't do those things, just discard it. I think when it comes to prophecy, we've got to have the maturity and the humility as believers to admit and acknowledge that we don't always hear God clearly. This is something I've noticed is that for some people they struggle to do this. Once they brought a prophetic word or two, they think that every future word they get has to be an accurate word from God and they leave no room to going, hey, maybe I just didn't hear God clearly. Maybe I misinterpreted something or maybe I added in something that was too much of my own thoughts. And so we've got to have the, the humility to go, I don't always hear God. And so maybe I thought I did, but it, but it wasn't encouraging or it didn't line up with Scripture. So I'm just not going to share it. I'm not going to have the attitude of, well, I'll just dump it on the leaders and expect them to kind of eat the pumpkin and spit out the pips. We can do that before we, we even bring the word. Let's evaluate the word ourselves before we even bring it to the meeting because it'll save a lot of time and it also will save, the, maybe the leaders might miss it and they might release a word that actually isn't a prophetic word. None of us are perfect. None of us know everything. And so let's help each other out. Let's work in team together. And let's, let's be humble about this. And let's realize this is a word from someone who is all-powerful, someone who's, uh, who's raised Jesus from the dead. And let's be humble about this and say, God, when I bring a prophetic word, I'm bringing it with fear and trembling. I'm not coming in saying, oh, this is the word of God. And if you don't believe this, if you weigh this and throw it out, then woe to you kind of thing. Well, let's be humble about it. Let's say, this is, this is what I'm feeling in God. If you don't think it's the right thing, that's okay. One of the things I always do when I share a prophetic word is that I will always use words like this. I believe this is what God is saying. I'll never get up there and say, thus saith the Lord. Bang, 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 bang. Because to me, that's not coming in humility. That's not coming with an attitude of, hey, I could be wrong here. Maybe I haven't heard God. There's always that element here. If I feel extremely strongly that this is definitely a word from God, I might say something like, I strongly believe this is a word from God, but I'm still going, I am human, and maybe I haven't heard God. Otherwise, if I come here and say, thus saith the Lord, and then it doesn't happen, well, then I look like a fool, and my credibility goes downhill. And the next time I bring a word, people are going to go, hey, hang on a minute. Last time you said, thus saith the Lord, and nothing happened. The opposite happened. And the last 10 times you've done that, the same thing happened. We've got to walk in humility here, and we've got to have a maturity that we say, God, we, we are stepping out in faith here. We're believing that this is what you're saying, but I'm doing it in humility. And I want to submit this word. I'm happy for it to be weighed. I'm happy for it to be thrown out, if that's the case. And I'm happy to throw this word out if it doesn't line up with Scripture, or if I think it's not going to encourage. Sometimes also, God gives a, a word that's just for you. 
and it's not actually for the for the wider body. So pray about that as well. Often, often I'll find is that when I'm when you're in the company of prophets, that gift of prophecy is released in an even greater way. I've had that happen many times in my life, and sometimes God has spoken things to me that it, it's been for me, and so I haven't released it uh, from the microphone because I've kind of weighed it up in my own mind and thought, actually, that's just a word for me. This is not a word for the wider body. And we need to be doing that. So when when you are hearing God and when you are feeling, don't just rush up to the front and just want to share it, as it might be something that God is just sharing for yourself. Let me give you an example of how prophecy can encourage and strengthen. If you have your Bibles, just turn to 1 Timothy 1 verse 18. 1 Timothy Chapter 1 and verse 18. Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you, based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. May they help you to fight well in the Lord's battles. So Timothy was released into this ministry by the laying on of hands by leaders and with prophecy. They actually prophesied over him when they laid hands on him and ordained him anointed him for this ministry, there were some prophetic words that Timothy received. But one of the things that Timothy struggled in his life was he was fearful and possibly he wanted to throw in the towel because of some of the things that was happening. He wanted to give up. And so Paul reminded him and said, remember the prophetic words that you received when you had, laid, when you had hands laid upon you and use them to wage warfare. Use them to encourage yourself. Use them to say, Let's, let me keep going here, because this is what God has spoken over your life. And um, I personally have been very encouraged by prophetic words over the years. I have a little book at home where I've written down all the words that God has given me over, over the last 27 years or whatever it is. And I often go to that book and I just start reading through all those words, especially when I'm feeling depressed or when I'm feeling discouraged. I go to that book, I start reading those words and it just builds me up. It strengthens me, it comforts me, it encourages me. And I'd encourage you to do the same thing. When people prophesy over you, write them down. Keep them in a book so that when you are, when you need encouragement, you can go to that book, you can read those prophetic words, and you can go, hey, God is saying this. And sometimes it's encouraging because some of those words have actually been fulfilled. And so it's encouraging to go, hey, God is faithful. He spoke this over my life and he's done this wonderful thing. So that encourages me. But also some of the words haven't been fulfilled yet. And they encourage me to keep pressing on into the future because it gives me hope for the future. Psalm 119 verse 49 says this, Remember your word to your servant. You have, give, you have given me hope through it. God's word to us gives us hope. And so we need to remind ourselves of the prophetic words that God has spoken over us. That's why prophecy is such a powerful gift. We can never be encouraged too much as, as, as uh, believers or as human beings. You can never over-encourage someone. And I'd encourage you just to 
if you're feeling words, don't hold back. I'm, I know I'm, I know I've kind of said, well, weigh the word, it'll make sure it lines up with scripture. But if it does line up with scripture and it is encouraging and it is going to uh, exalt Jesus, don't hold back. Share that word because prophecy builds up, prophecy encourages, prophecy strengthens, and we need that as the as the body of Christ. Amen. So I also just want to say a word of warning. When it comes to directive prophecy, well, I'm talking about a prophetic word that involves future direction for your life. Prophecy should not be the only means of guidance in your life. You shouldn't just take a single prophetic word and go, well, this is what God's saying for me, so I'm going to go and do it. If that's all you've heard concerning that particular direction in your life, you should wait until you get a couple of other things confirming it. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 1 says this. It says, The facts of every case must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So don't act only on a single prophecy. Wait until you've got two or three witnesses. And one of those witnesses, I think, should just be God speaking to you personally in your spirit. So for me, when a prophecy comes, most times it's a confirmation of something that God is already speaking to me personally. It's often that. Very, very few times has a prophecy come totally out of the blue where I've been like, whoa, I've never even thought of that. And if that is the case, what I do is I receive it because I don't despise prophecy. I weigh it. And if I think, okay, this is the word of God to me, then I will kind of write it down and I will pray over it. And I'll say, God, okay, if this is what you're sharing, then confirm it. I'm going to wait until you speak something else to me. Maybe you're going to speak it into my spirit. Maybe I'm going to read the word and some scriptures are going to jump out at me. Or maybe I'll have other prophetic words that will come from other believers that will confirm that which you're saying to me. So just remember, remember this, is that God doesn't have to speak to you through a prophetic word. He speaks your language. Even if English isn't your your first language, if Spanish is your first language, God can speak to you in Spanish. He doesn't need to give you a prophetic word or some picture of, of you know, trees swaying in the breeze and leaves falling off and think God is changing your season. He can actually just tell you, I'm, I'm changing your season. He speaks your language. So prophetic words are wonderful in that, but don't don't go off on a tangent here where you stop hearing God personally because you're all about hearing the prophetic word. You and I have a living, breathing relationship with God and we all have access to the throne of God. The curtain's been torn. We don't need a mediator. We don't need, we don't need to get to God through prophets. We don't need to hear God through prophets. Please hear what I'm saying here. I'm not... I'm trying to balance this out where we don't despise prophecy, but we don't elevate prophecy above us hearing God personally. I'm trying to bring a balance here, putting prophecy in its right place so that, yes, it's a wonderful thing, but let it, let it be confirmed by two or three witnesses. 
I've seen people act on a single prophetic word and they've actually got themselves into trouble. Number one, because they didn't weigh it properly or it wasn't weighed by the leadership. And I mean, there's some devastating things that can happen. You could get sent off to outer Mongolia or something because some guy prophesied you're going to plant a church in Mongolia. So off you go. Meanwhile, you're not called and it's not what God wanted. And now you're stuck over there trying to do something that God never called you to. So please wait and please weigh what you hear. If you're unsure, come and talk to the leadership. That's part of what we're anointed to do is to help you understand, help you to hear God. So I've, I've ministered to a few people where I've had to actually free them from some prophetic words that have been spoken over their life because they received it and it put them in bondage. It was like a heavy weight on them. And I eventually had to say, listen, it's not encouraging you, it's not strengthening you, and it's not comforting you, so throw it out. And people are like, oh, I can't do that. It's the word of God. No, it isn't. If it's not encouraging you, it isn't. If it's not strengthening you, it isn't. <laughs> let's get back to the Bible here. Let's, let's, let's walk according to Scripture. Amen? So, in conclusion, let me, let me wrap this up. Let's stir up the gift of prophecy. Let's not quench the Spirit. Let's hold on to the good. Let's, let's weigh prophecy and hold on to the good. Something, something about prophecy as well is that we need to hold on to it. It's not just about write it down, file it, throw it in file 13, never look at it again. We've got to hold on to prophetic words. And sometimes there's an endurance that's required. Sometimes we've got to wage war with these prophetic words that we, if, if you feel this is actually something that God is speaking over my life, don't just neglect it and say, well, if, if it was prophesied, it's going to happen. No, we've got to hold on to it, wage war, pray over it, step into it and see it happen. And sometimes that can take years before we see the fulfillment of, of those prophecies. So hold on to the good. And let's especially desire to prophesy. I really, I really want you to hear that today, especially desire to prophesy. Let's stir up all these gifts. I mean, it's wonderful. We're seeing healings. We're seeing miracles. We're seeing words of knowledge and wisdom and all these other things. But let's especially desire to prophesy. Look at the encouragement from Paul uh, to the church in Corinth. In the next chapter, it's in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 23 to 25. Look, look at what happens when the gift of prophecy is stirred up in the church. It says, even so, if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your church meeting and hear everyone speaking in an unknown language or in a tongue, they will think you're crazy. But if all of you are prophesying. There it is again. Not just one person. Paul saying, actually, if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convinced of sin and judged by what you say. As they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed and they will fall to their knees and worship God declaring God is truly here among you. That's why we should desire to prophesy, because 
when the gift of prophecy is, is activated in our midst, people are going to worship God. They're going to fall to their knees and get saved. They, the kingdom of God is going to be advanced. And I think that's part of why in the book of Acts it says no one dared join them. This wasn't some kind of a popular club. People knew if you walked into their meeting, you're going to be prophesied over. The secrets of your heart are going to be laid bare. And so there was a reverence for God. There was a seriousness about, hey, this isn't just some kind of a fun club that I'm a part of. This is serious. There's supernatural stuff going on in these meetings. And that's what we want in New Gen City Church. We want to see the gift of prophecy stirred up. I, I really hope that I haven't brought a wet blanket on this whole thing. Because honestly, my desire is to see prophecy stirred up in the church. But I want us to avoid uh, getting into error, uh, but I want us to desire the gift of prophecy. Stir it up, pray for it. When you spend time with God, when you're praying with God, pray and say, God, use me. S stir me in this area. Speak through me. I, I desire to be used in the area of prophesying in the church. And, and, and God can use you. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're filled with the Spirit, God can use you to prophesy. If you're willing, if, you, if you're open, if you say, God, yes, it's not about my understanding. It's not about who I am as a person. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit, that all-powerful third person of the Trinity. It's about allowing Him to give me this wonderful gift so that I can speak the words of God into a particular situation. I want to close now by just praying and bringing us before the Lord. I want to pray that this gift is stirred up in your life and pray that you are activated in this gift. There, I really believe that there are some of you who have been used in the past in the area of prophecy, but there's like a stagnation that's built up in your life. In fact, when I was preparing this message, I had this picture of a, a river that was kind of like blocked up by all debris, logs and, and branches and, and leaves and dirt, and it had kind of blocked up the flow until there was hardly any water flowing. And I feel like God wants to just burst, burst through you. I've, I've been reading in the Old Testament of David when, when, he, uh, when he attacked the Philistines. He had become king, the Philistines attacked and he went to a place called Baal Perazim, which means the Lord bursts out. And he had a great victory there. Uh, and I feel God stirring this thing within me, that he wants to burst out in our lives. And, and for some of you, there may be a stagnancy. There might be, it might be years uh, since you last brought a prophetic word. But God wants to stir that up in you today. I believe that God wants to baptize you afresh, with the Holy Spirit, if you're, if you're open to that now, God will do something in your life, right here, right now, in your lounge room, in your bedroom, wherever you're listening. If you open yourself up to God, saying, God, yes, I've been used in the past, but it's kind of dried up, I kind of feel like I'm just dry, and I need a fresh infilling. Well, God can do something in your life right now. So, so let's pray, let's open our hearts to the Lord. Let's, let's trust that He's going to do a wonderful work in our lives. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, 
You are the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And you said that when you baptize, you baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so, Lord, we come before you. We ask you now for a fresh baptism of your Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. We pray for tongues of fire to come raining down from heaven above. I pray for an activation of this gift of prophecy in our lives. I pray for a fresh infilling. I pray, Lord, that you would unblock wells that have been blocked up over the years. I pray for where there's a dryness, you would create streams in the desert. I speak that over people now. Streams in the desert. That living water would flow in Jesus' name. I pray for a bursting forth, a breaking out of the Lord. The power of the Holy Spirit manifest in our lives, in us and through us, in the name of Jesus. I pray for revival for those that feel dry, for those that feel empty. Revive them now, in Jesus' name. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon your church. I pray, Lord, that the gift of prophecy would be stirred up. I pray that groups of us would begin to prophesy that it would be like the school of the prophets or the group of the prophets or among the prophets. Uh, I pray that there'd be numbers of people that begin to flow in this gift of prophecy, that we see a resurgence of this gift, but we don't see it in error. We see it glorifying Jesus. We see prophecy done in accordance with Scripture, but powerfully, powerful, powerful, powerful prophetic words. Lord, stir it up. We desire the gift of prophecy even more in our, in our local church context. Holy Spirit, fall upon us now and fill us with your fire in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We receive from you right now. We just receive from you. Let that river begin to flow again. Wash away all the debris. Wash away all the dryness. Wash away all the nonsense where, where some of us are distracted by things that aren't necessarily sin, but we've just filled our lives with a whole lot of irrelevant stuff. Lord, we want to be soldiers. We want to be soldiers of Christ. A soldier carries only the bare minimum into battle. A soldier doesn't have a spare set of clothes or some shoes for going out to restaurants or whatever. A soldier just carries the bare essentials, exactly what's needed for battle. And I feel that for some of us, there needs to be a trimming down of our lifestyle. It's not sin, it's just clutter. You're weighed down by clutter in your life. You don't have time to spend with God. You don't have time to worship God because your whole day is just filled up with a whole lot of irrelevant things. Lord, I pray, come now, remove the clutter from our lives. Let your fire burn in our lives. Let there be a burning desire to be in your presence, to spend time with you. In Jesus' name, amen.